and what he does and how we relate to him. And so we sought to clarify that the Holy Spirit is the third person of the Godhead, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and Son and who with the Father and Son together is worshipped and glorified, taking that statement from the Nicene Creed. Whatever we affirm of the Father, we may affirm of the Son, and we may affirm of the Holy Spirit. As the Father is all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing, eternal, independent, just, unchanging, faithful, wise, holy, and good, we can say all that about the Son, we can say all that about the Holy Spirit. After that introduction, then, over the past two messages, we've considered the works of the Holy Spirit, especially His work of coming to live within the people of God to indwell them. He comes, we remembered, to live in us and help us by empowering our walk with God, empowering our life of discipleship. The Spirit unites us to Jesus like a branch is united to a tree trunk. The Spirit applies all the benefits of Christ's saving work to our lives. The Spirit helps us to understand Scripture. He speaks assurance into our hearts when we are struggling with assurance. He intercedes for us in our weakness when we feel we can't even pray. He empowers are maturing and growing into uh, Christ-likeness. He grows our experience of gospel graces like love and hope and peace. He empowers our service in the local church by giving us gifts that He empowers and works in each of us. And last week, after looking at all those wonderful works of the Spirit, We finished off reflecting on John 7, where Jesus spoke of the Spirit welling up within believers like a river of living water. And we said that that is what we should all long for, to know a greater experience of being filled with this living water, filled with the Holy Spirit. So, this morning, we're going to get really practical, and I think we're ready for this, A lot of this has been teaching along the way, but this morning we're going to get really practical and ask the question, okay, how do I live more of a Spirit-filled life? How can I walk through life each day being more dependent on the Holy Spirit? Paul says in 2 Corinthians 14, 13, that we are to enjoy the fellowship of the Spirit, fellowship with the Spirit in our everyday lives. And I want to ask the question, how do we do that tomorrow? How do we do it this week? How do we walk in the Spirit more faithfully? And if you're a Christian, this question that we're going to try and answer should be of great interest to you. If you're not a Christian, this should be of great interest to you because it is the Spirit who opens our eyes to understand the truths of Christianity. How can you draw nearer and open your heart more to the Holy Spirit? So I'm going to try to answer this question, how do we live the Spirit-filled life in three parts? Each part 
of my answer is interconnected with the other, and all of this flows directly out of Scripture. So please do follow closely along with me as we look mainly at Ephesians 5, but we'll also branch out to some other places along the way. So how do we live the Spirit-filled life? Number one, remember every day that God wants us to actively pursue the Spirit-filled life. Now, this might just sound like, well, hang on, you're not really saying much there, but it's really important because it is so easy to forget God wants part of our Christian living to be an active pursuit of the Spirit-filled life. Now, where do we get that from in Scripture? We see this in a series of commands and instructions that God gives in a few places. First, let's look at Ephesians 5, 15 to 21. Ephesians 5.15, the Apostle Paul says, Look carefully how you walk. That means how you live as a Christian. Not as unwise, but as wise. So in the context, Paul is speaking of how we as Christians are to live as bright lights for God's kingdom in this fallen and dark world. He reminds us in verse 16 that, we're, 16 that we're to use our time well. We're to be intentional about living a Christian life because the days are evil. They're dark. And I think we have to ask, how do some people cope with living in evil days, when days are hard, when there are things in the world that can weigh you down, make you anxious, and depress you? How do many people cope with that? Well, Paul seems to indicate here many people turn to alcohol to dull the dark, weighing down feeling of life in a fallen world. They drink away their heartache. They drink to get rid of social anxiety, to be able to be more relaxed and at peace. Well, Paul says in verse 18, don't turn to alcohol to cope with living in dark and difficult days. That leads to a bad place. Instead, he says in verse 18, to live a bright, hope-filled life in this fallen world, you need to be filled with the Spirit, not filled with alcohol. You need to be filled with the Spirit. And he's very intentionally drawing the contrast between someone who's drinking alcohol to try and dull the effects of life in a fallen world versus the person who drinks the Spirit so that they can be bright and full of hope. In 1 Corinthians 12, 13, listen to what Paul said to the Corinthians. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. Paul says, you want to walk well in this fallen world? You want to be bright for the Lord in your workplace, amidst your family, with your friends? You've got to drink the Holy Spirit until you are intoxicated by Him, saturated with Him. Now, let's think carefully about this instruction Paul gives in Ephesians 5.18 when he says, be filled with the Spirit. I want to make three observations about what Paul says here because this is really important for understanding the Spirit-filled life. First observation, this is a command. Be filled with the Spirit. 
It's not a suggestion. You know, for some super spiritual Christians, it'd be a good thing for you to think about this. This is as important a command as any command in Scripture. Be filled with the Spirit. Not an optional extra for super spiritual Christians. A command that all Christians are to obey. Christians can be more active in pursuing the Spirit-filled life or less active in pursuing the Spirit-filled life. And if the Lord commands us to pursue the Spirit-filled life, we want to be active and do that. Second observation. Be filled with the Spirit is an ongoing command. The grammar of the original Greek text shows that this is a command that we are to continually seek to walk in and live in obedience to. We could paraphrase the command, be filled with the Spirit, like this. Keep on being filled with the Spirit as a way of life. Keep on pursuing the, the fullness of the Holy Spirit in your life. Don't just drift as if this happens automatically. You have to do something. Third observation. This command is a little different from some commands in that it calls for a certain posture towards the Holy Spirit. A yieldedness, if you will. An openness to the leading and the empowering work of the Spirit in your life. A sense of dependence, if you will. Another paraphrase could be, be actively opening the lid of your heart to allow the Spirit's life-giving person and power to fill you. So remember what we're doing here. We're asking the question, how do we live the Spirit-filled life? And I'm saying, first, you've got to know that every day God wants you to be actively pursuing the Spirit-filled life. If you miss that, you'll forget. Now, if we go outside of Ephesians 5, we see other passages that command or instruct us to pursue life lived in the power of the Spirit. Turn back a few pages to Galatians 5, 16 to 26. Paul commands the believers in Galatia and us today to walk in the Spirit. Look at Galatians 5, 16. Walk in the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Look at verse 18. If you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. Look down at verse 25. If we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Paul commands believers in Galatia and us today to walk in the Spirit, to be led by the Spirit, to live by the Spirit, and to keep in step with the Spirit. Now, how, how can you live your Christian life and ignore all of that? Romans 8, 5, and 6. Another place where Paul instructs Christians on walking in the Spirit. In Romans 8, 5, and 6, Paul says, we are to walk according to the Spirit, and we are to set our minds on the things of the Spirit. 
Or if that's not enough, what about Jesus in Luke eleven thirteen? He assumes, he just assumes that asking for more of the Holy Spirit's power and presence, this would be something Christians do. Jesus said in Luke eleven thirteen, if you then who are evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? How do we live a spirit-filled life? Step one, recognize that each day you're called to pursue the infilling and the empowerment of God's Spirit so that you can live your Christian life faithfully. Now let's ask a question. How much of a category in your Christian life is this pursuing the filling of the Spirit? Could you be quenching the Spirit's work in your life because to you the Holy Spirit is just a forgotten God? Someone you've ignored for a long time. No cultivation of fellowship with the Spirit. No openness, no yieldedness, no sense of dependence. Do you have a relationship with the Holy Spirit? A yielded posture towards the Spirit? Maybe one of the ways to respond to this message this morning will be to say, Lord, I'm sorry, but I've missed this. I've been doing things in my own strength, and I don't want to do that anymore. I want to be filled with your Spirit and empowered by your Spirit and dependent on the Holy Spirit to live my Christian life. So how can we live the Spirit-filled life? First, we've got to remember that, that God commands us to actively pursue the Spirit-filled life. Second step in answering the question, how do we live the Spirit-filled life? Second, know well the marks of the Spirit-filled life and let those characteristics motivate your pursuit of the Spirit. Know well the marks of the Spirit-filled life and let those marks or those characteristics motivate your pursuit of the Spirit. Now, if I was sitting where you're sitting, sitting now, I'd be asking, right, I'm supposed to actively pursue the Spirit-filled life. Well, first of all, tell me, what does that look like? What does the Spirit-filled life look like practically? Well, if you turn back to Ephesians 5, we'll start there and get an answer to that question. Following Paul's command in Ephesians 5, 18, to be filled with the Spirit, he then speaks of four results or activities that will come about when people are filled with with the Spirit. 1 verse 19. We will address one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. This is about deep fellowship in corporate worship in the local church. A Spirit-filled people will be mutually encouraging one another in their worship of God. Spirit-filled Christians will sing in each other's presence, and that singing of gospel truth is a moment of deep shared fellowship. We don't just have this gathering and then start fellowship over tea and coffee after the service. Singing together is a moment of deep fellowship. Fellowship together, 
as we sing the truths that we hope in. We sing the truths about being saved from hell and being reconciled to God. And we're desperate people with a wonderful Savior and we're rejoicing in Him. And when the people beside you are rejoicing in the same hope that you're rejoicing in, that is so, that is a beautiful moment of shared fellowship. Spirit-filled Christians in church come together like individual little bubbling streams of joy in the Lord. And there's this great confluence in the local church when all those little streams, how many of us are here this morning? Maybe 120 people or something? 120 if you're all in Christ. Little streams of joy, big confluence. We all meet together and it becomes a river of joyful praise to the Lord. That does something in you. It doesn't just honor the Lord, it does something in you. Do you remember back to those dark days of COVID when for a time we gathered and we couldn't sing? It affects us. We overflow and we desire to sing. And as we sing, it's not just singing and rejoicing in the Lord. There is this beautiful vertical dimension, but there's also a horizontal dimension. A mark of a spirit-filled church is that church will sing. And in their singing, they will delight in the mutual encouragement that they experience. Second, we will sing, the spirit-filled Christians will sing and make melody to the Lord with our hearts. This speaks of a deep-level, affectionate, joyful response to the truths of the gospel. Here, the emphasis is not so much on mutual encouragement as we sing together, here the emphasis is a spirit-filled Christian will lock into fellowship with God, focusing on the, the God they are in church praising. And they will authentically enjoy rejoicing in the Lord because of all His goodness towards them. This is the person, they're not looking around worrying about what everyone else is doing. They're in church, filled with the Spirit, locked in, in with God, in communion with God, And they're just rejoicing in God in an authentic way. In the morning, I take, I've got a few wee weird quirks. And every day I take a fizzy vitamin tablet. Um, It's one of these B combination of vitamins that give you apparently vitality in life. And I'm sort of thinking, right, I'm near 40. I need a bit more vitality in life. And I put this... um, I'll say nothing more about that. I put, put, I put that little tablet, it's a wee vitamin tablet, you know one of these ones that you drop in and it fizzes and the fizziness kind of sprays over my cup onto the table. The spirit-filled Christian fizzes with affection for the Lord and it bubbles over. And, and, and we long for this. I don't want to read a truth like John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. I don't want that to be dull to me. I don't want to be sitting thinking, I've heard that before. I want to hear that truth and I want to be, there to be a deep level affectionate response. That's the work that the Spirit does within And that's why here Paul says, filled with the Spirit, you'll sing and make melody to the Lord from your heart. You will do that. You won't need to be whipped up by musicians or emotionalism or smoke machines. You won't need to be whipped up with what everyone else is doing. You will sing and make melody to the Lord from your heart. In your heart are the highways to the Lord. Third mark of a spirit-filled people, we will be people of gratitude. 
Look at Ephesians 5 verse 20, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Just notice the beautiful Trinitarian nature of that statement, filled with the Spirit, led to give thanks to the Father through Jesus Christ. A complaining or critical spirit is not compatible with the fullness of the Spirit. The idea here is that spirit-filled Christians will recognize the sovereignty of God, they will surrender to God's will, and seek to be thankful to God for His sovereign goodness, even when they can't understand what God is doing. We don't give thanks for the hard things in themselves, we give thanks to God that He overrules the hard things, and He makes all things in the end serve our good and His glory. That's what we thank him for. A spirit-filled church will be a church where gratitude is on display to the Lord and thankfulness to others for all the ways they encourage and help us. Fourth mark of a spirit-filled Christian and church then, we will submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. That's Ephesians 5, 21. Paul then, through the rest of the letter, shows how that works itself out in the home, in marriage, in the workplace, and in parenting. But spirit-filled Christians will show Christ-like love to one another. Some who gathered in the small groups through the weeks, we were studying Philippians 2, 3 to 4, where Paul exhorts us to, in humility, count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. The spirit-filled Christian seeks to go low to build others up, seeks to serve, to encourage. Sometimes people who claim to be filled with the spirit, they can become arrogant and brash, almost like they have something that other believers don't have. But the Holy Spirit is a humble spirit. He clothes us with humility. He seeks to point away from himself so that the Son and the Father would be honored. And so it should be no surprise that a Spirit-filled Christian will be directed by the Spirit to keep pushing the attention away from the self, keep pointing people towards Jesus and the Father. A Spirit-filled Christian does not constantly seek attention for themselves. They seek to honor the Lord by sacrificially putting others before themselves. Now, those are four marks of a spirit-filled Christian from Ephesians 5, but I want to think of two other characteristics of a spirit-filled Christian, one from Galatians and one from Acts. So back in Galatians 5, 22 to 23, we read here of the character that the Spirit works in believers' lives we read of the fruit of the Spirit. So the Spirit is living within, and just like the sap within a tree brings life to the branch, and the branch then is heavy laden with fruit, so the Christian full of the Spirit will have the branches of their lives heavy laden with fruit. But the fruit of the Spirit in Galatians 5, 22, is love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. A Spirit-filled Christian will display the fruit of the Spirit in Christ-like character. 
Sometimes, again, it's thought that being filled with the Holy Spirit means being filled with charismatic power, powerful gifts of the Spirit on display. I have been accused of not being open to the Spirit, and until the Spirit breaks through in Great Vic, we'll get nowhere. To be filled with the Spirit is not first about charismatic power. It's first about Christ-like character. Paul corrected this misunderstanding in Corinth when the believers were emphasizing that they spoke in tongues more than anyone else. They had more profound prophetic revelations than anyone else. They were all battling over who was the most spirit-filled, who had the most charismatic power. And Paul said, look, you pursue earnestly the gifts. Yes. But let me show you the more excellent way. You could have the most powerful manifestation of the Spirit and speak prophetic mysteries that, that would blow people away. You could speak in the tongues of angels and of men. You could even surrender your body to the flames in martyrdom. But if you do not have love, it's nothing. Because a Spirit-filled Christian bears first Christ-like character, love, joy, peace and patience. Who doesn't want that? Final mark of a spirit-filled Christian then. This comes from the book of Acts, and I'm just going to show a few uh, examples. Just one, actually. Acts 4.31. The believers in Acts chapter 4 were threatened and told that they must no longer speak in the name of Jesus. So what do they do? They have a prayer meeting. And in Acts 4.31 we read, when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Imagine that happened today. That could happen. They were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with boldness. Here is the final mark of the Spirit-filled life in the book of Acts. Spirit-filled Christians become more bold in their witness for Christ, more courageous less ashamed of the gospel. We recognize that we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and love and self-control. Okay, let's just recap for a moment. What are the marks of the spirit-filled life? Enjoying fellowship with each other, enjoying communion with God, full of gratitude, seeking to put others before ourselves, maturing Christ-like character, growing courage and boldness in witnessing for Christ. What I'm arguing here is that if you understand those are the marks of the Spirit-filled life, that will make you long to be filled with the Spirit. If that's the fruit and the result of being filled with the Spirit, surely every one of us, if we're in Christ, the Spirit inwardly is going, oh, I long to be that. So let me ask a few questions. Do you long for the marks of the Spirit-filled life to be evident in your life? If some of these things are lacking, why do you lack them? 
Might it be that you could have closed the lid on your heart and just overlooked the call to pursue the Spirit-filled life? Have you just been pressing on in your own strength and failing to access the power that is there for you by the Spirit of God? The other day I was riding on my bike up the Ormo Road and I stopped at lights and there was a guy in, the, in his, um, was it uh, Just Eat or something or um, Deliveroo and he had one of these electric bikes and there was me sitting on my wee pedal bike and he's sitting on his electric bike and I'm like, going to take him. Pedal away and he just smiles at me as he flies past and accesses the power of the electric motor he had. You know, I don't want to be living my Christian life pedaling, pedaling the legs out of myself when there's, there's power that, that, that if we can draw and, and, and walk in the Spirit, we won't be peddling the legs out of ourselves as we try to do everything in our own strength. So how do we, spill, how do we live the Spirit-filled life? Well, first, we, we recognize that God wants us to pursue that life. Second, we know what that life looks like. And knowing what it looks like, it makes us long for that life. Now, third, we've got, to, we've got to land this plane here and ask the big question, right, well, how? How can I be filled with the Spirit? How do I go after being filled with the Spirit? How can we open our hearts and become a people more filled with the Spirit? I think I have three parts to the answer to this question. Number one, you got to ask for the Spirit. Pray and ask God to fill you with the Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying that you can be a Christian and have none of the Spirit. Remember, the Spirit is a person. He comes to live within us. But like you can have more of a person's trust, more relational intimacy with a, per- a person, you can have more of the Spirit's power, more of His grace, more of His active working in your life. In Luke eleven thirteen, Jesus said, how much more will the Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Pray at the start of your day, Lord, fill me today with the Holy Spirit that I may be empowered to live a life that honors you. Fill me up so that I might know the streams of living water welling up within me and bringing blessing to me and through me to others. We never want it to be said of us, you have not because you asked not. Just ask in the name of Jesus for a deeper experience of the Spirit's presence and power. Jesus purchased that for you in his death. Two, we must drink deeply of the Spirit at the fountain of God's Word. I read a helpful article by John Piper on how to be filled with the Spirit, and I'm leaning on him to some extent on this point. Let's think back to 1 Corinthians 12, 13. Paul said we are all given as Christians one Spirit to drink. So you need to be asking, how do I drink the Spirit? In Romans 8, 5, Paul answers that question like this. Those who live according to the Spirit... They set their minds on the things of the Spirit. So if you want to drink the Spirit, you've got to set your mind on the things of the Spirit. What are the things of the Spirit? In 1 Corinthians 2, 14, Paul said, The natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit, 
for their folly to him. And in the previous verse, Paul said the things of the Spirit, they're spiritual truths that flow from the Spirit-inspired Scriptures. So the Holy Spirit breathed out the Scriptures. When we read them, it's like putting your mouth to the fountain. And you drink in the things of the Spirit, spiritual truths illuminated by the Holy Spirit. Listen to how Paul uses the language of being filled with the Spirit and letting the Word of Christ dwell in you. He uses this almost interchangeably in Ephesians and Colossians. Listen to this. Ephesians 5.18, be filled with the Spirit, addressing one another in psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Listen to how he says it in Colossians 3.16. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Almost interchangeable. Be filled with the Spirit. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. You want to drink the Spirit? You go to the fountain of the Spirit's word. And you drink deeply. Get your mind filled with the things of the Spirit. Spiritual truths of the Scriptures. I don't understand how you can go a long time as a Christian without having your mind filled with the things of the Spirit. You're going to dry up. You need a plan, a place, and a purpose to be a faithful drinker of the things of the Spirit. You need a place you can go to where you can quietly read your Bible. You need a, a plan. What are you going to do? Are you going to read through a book of the Bible? Are you going to read Revelation? Are you going to read the Bible in a year? You need a plan in place. And you need to know your purpose as you come to read. You're not just reading to alleviate guilt or because that's what a Christian does. You're reading to hear the Spirit speak to you through His Word. You're reading to be ministered to. You're reading to be blessed and strengthened and nourished. You will be refreshed as you drink deeply, and you will be a well of water, and others will be refreshed through your life. So you've got to drink deeply of the Spirit at the fountain of God's Word if you want to be filled with the Spirit. You've got to ask God to fill you with the Spirit. Then thirdly and finally, you, have the, you, you, know the way, you must know the way to receive that infilling by faith. We receive the infilling of the Spirit by faith. Now what do I mean there? Well, listen carefully to what Paul says in Galatians 3.5. Does he who supplies the Spirit to you and works miracles among you, do so by works of the law or by hearing with faith. Now you collapse that down. What Paul's saying is, does the Lord supply the Spirit to you by works of the law? Or does he supply the Spirit to you by hearing with faith? The answer is he supplies the Spirit to you as you hear God's word with faith. In Acts 6, 5, we read that Stephen was a man full of faith and full of the Holy Spirit. In Acts eleven twenty four, we read that Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and full of faith. In Romans 15, 13, we read, May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing, so that by the power of the Holy Spirit you may abound in hope. In believing, you're filled with joy and peace. Who brings joy and peace into your life? The Spirit. In believing, the power of the Holy Spirit makes you 
abound with hope. Now, how does that work? How do I receive the Spirit by faith? Will you trust the truth of God's Word? You go into your day at the start of the day and you trust the Holy Spirit has been given to me to guide me through this day with wisdom. As you're reading your Bible, by faith, you recognize that the Holy Spirit sits with me and is here to minister to me. And you open your heart to the Spirit ministering to you through God's Word. By faith, you receive the Spirit's work of making the book live to you. By faith, you trust that the Spirit leads you through your day. He places people in your heart to encourage. He prompts you to do things in the service of God's glory in the church. When you're tempted to be ashamed of the gospel, you must believe, I have not been given a spirit of fear. I've been given a spirit of power. And by faith, you, you just receive that truth. You believe the spirit is with me. He lives in me. He empowers me. He helps me understand the Bible. He fills my heart with hope and love. By faith, you trust he's doing that. You receive his work by faith. This is how we walk in fellowship with the Spirit. We walk by faith, not by sight. We don't see the Spirit sitting with us at the breakfast table when we're reading our Bible. But by faith we see Him. We don't see Him guiding us with wisdom through the day with our natural eyes, but by faith we believe that He is leading us. You believe everything the Scriptures say about the Spirit and you are filled with the Spirit as you receive those truths by faith. That is living in active dependence on the Spirit. So, let's close now, again with some questions that I'd ask you to consider. Be asking yourself, am I open to the Holy Spirit? Am I longing for the Spirit in my life to be working out His power and His presence within? Or is the Holy Spirit the forgotten third person of the Godhead to me? I'm not asking what you want to say in response to that. I'm asking what's the functional reality of your life right now? I would urge you today to repent of this ignoring the Spirit, if that is something you've been doing. And I would encourage you to start right now in your heart saying, Lord, fill me afresh with your Spirit. Teach me to walk in the Spirit. Teach me to live in the Spirit. Teach me to keep in step with the Spirit as He prompts me and urges me and places desires. Help me not to ignore them. Help me to be tuned in to the leading of the Spirit in my day-to-day -day life as He convicts me let me not harden my heart against his quiet voice. Let me open my ears and hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. This could lead you into a whole new, fertile, flourishing place of life as a Christian. Openness to the Spirit. This could bring a new level of new life to you. The life that we all need because all too often, we lived parched lives. We try to do things on our own strength, and we fail to be filled with the Spirit. God does not want that for us, individually 
or corporately. So let's open our hearts. Let's lift off the lid, spiritually speaking, and just ask, as Jesus said, for the Father to give us the Holy Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we do long to know the presence and power of your Spirit in our lives. And we open our hearts because we need to be filled with the power of the Spirit. We need the help and assistance of the Holy Spirit in our everyday lives. We're sorry, Lord, for all the times when we've just got on with things on our own strength. Forgive us for this. Help us to start afresh. And Father, we ask in Jesus' name for the Holy Spirit to fill us all. Not so that we could go way off this sort of wacky, charismatic end, but so that we would grow to manifest the fruit of the Spirit. So that we could know power in our service, power in our evangelism, power in our services. And so that, yes, Lord, we could be open to all the ways the Spirit might work to edify and build us up according to His sovereign will. So, Father, for the lessons we've learned in this series, we pray that you would just sow them deeply into our hearts and that your Spirit would indeed bear fruit in our lives through what we've learned to the praise of your glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Just before we sing, I want to remind you that um, we have set a question box at the back of the church because I know uh, some of you have questions about uh, this Holy Spirit series. I have obviously not been able to cover exhaustively everything, far from it. So if you have a question you'd like to ask about this series, um, please do uh, take a pen, a piece of paper at the back, write it on the the, the paper and put it in the box and I'll take a look at them and then I think it's the, the midweek of the 15th of November we're going to give that whole midweek over to asking questions, answering them, discussing uh, a deeper understanding of the Spirit. So be thinking about a question you might like to ask, please uh, do write it down and we'll address it, God willing, on that date. For now, let's stand together. We're going to respond by singing uh, and praying that, that the Spirit would indwell us so that the mind of Christ our Saviour uh, would be shaping our minds from day to day. Let's stand and praise God.
now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all evermore.